What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, and I'm here with Dan Austin, who is a former armor Army Ranger and a real estate investor who's in CCF, so Create Cashflow, Ryan Dossie's uh, coaching program that I am also in. And so when they reached out and they were like, hey, we might be interested in being a guest on your show, I was like, oh, shoot, I'm in CCF. I love CCF. I'm you know obviously like the military, so this would be a good fit. Let's uh, let's jump on a call and, and have a podcast and talk. So uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's the intro you're going to get. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. Hey guys, I want to talk to you real quickly about PropStream, which is actually one of my favorite platforms that I've ever used for real estate investing. And I really wish I'd used it sooner. So PropStream is essentially if you combine list source with the MLS or multiple listing service with the ability to comp and pull tax records and all kinds of stuff. So you can pull super, super, super niche lists like a somebody who inherited a home and tried to sell it and has 70% equity and failed to sell the home. And then you can send them letters. You can pull all kinds of listing and just more data than I even know what to do with. But you can also, if they have a property, you can see what else they own and you can do all kinds of stuff. You can skip trace, you can send mailers, you can do, I mean, everything through this platform. And I recommend you check it out. There's like a two week free trial if you use our code, which is for militarymillionaire.com slash prop stream or down in the show notes slash description, you'll see it. And uh, I recommend you check it out because I've used it now for four months and I've got four deals that were all pulled through prop stream lists. So it is incredible. I love it, man. That's good <laughs> enough, dude. Welcome CCF, to the show, Dan. Ranger, do it. Yeah. All right. Let's. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's, yeah. it covers all the cool stuff, right? You're yeah. a ranger and you buy houses. I mean, that's that's, that's about that's the only know. cool things I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you give the audience a little bit more backstory? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah, sure. Since you know this is military millionaire, I'll start back there. Um, joined the army when I was 18 for for a job. You know, I was kind of misguided in a lot of areas as many of us were. Um, and it's, always, I always like to tell the funny story of like how I picked the army. Cause I did not know like what I was going to do, but I walked in the recruiter's office and it was one of those, like, like they had all the branches there and the Marines were on the right. And I didn't have an appetite for crowns at the time. So I knew Marines weren't going to be my thing, <laughs> but in all seriousness, the army, the army was the first to a door on the left. And so I walked in and I said, Hey, I think I want to be a helicopter pilot. They're like, Nope. And so I just turned around and walked out. And then I came back another week and I was like, I think I want to be a, an army ranger. And they're like, uh, do you know what that is? I'm like, no, not really. They're like, that's probably not going to happen. And so anyhow, I joined the army and worked my way up uh, through basic training, did some airborne school and, and got into the, to the Rangers and spent six years there uh, with the second Ranger battalion, did um, several deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. I had a kick-ass time. I loved it. Army has, you know, a ton of hardships, obviously going overseas and all that kind of is a bummer, but um, between 2004, and 2010, that's kind of where my life was just focused um, on combat and being better at what I was doing. And then once my second enlistment was up, um, I pivoted away because I wanted to get a college degree. It was a, it was a goal of mine in hindsight. Was it a 
great goal. Not really. Um, uh, but you know, I wanted to be the first one in my family to get a college degree. And, um, so, so I went, joined the national guard and, um, went and got my degree in electrical engineering, which, you know, I didn't put too much thought behind that either. I just knew that, you know, electrical engineering was a harder degree to get. So I'd probably be able to get a job, which I did. That plan actually worked out. I got a job, uh, working for a company here in town. I live in Spokane, Washington and, um, made it like 11 months as an engineer before I realized like, you know, I just went from carrying a gun, jumping out of airplanes and all that to sitting behind a desk, like drawing on paper. And that wasn't that fun. Um, and so I ended up getting a job, a management job at the same company and still work there today. And I've worked my way up through different leadership roles and, and that sort of stuff and really actually enjoy it and love it. That's why I haven't left yet. Um, but even then like leaving the military, um, and having a full-time job was like, not as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Um, and I just, there's just, I had extra bandwidth. Right. And so I overheard a guy talking, um, about somebody that was a real estate investor at my company. And so I immediately went over, introduced myself to this guy and he's a, one of my good friends now and just started talking to him and about real estate and like, two years later, I bought my first rental property and he coached me through it, mentored me through it. Um, it's a student rental right across the street from a local university. And then in quick order, I bought the house next door off market, uh, at an awesome deal. That was like my first real bird deal. I'd been listening to bigger pockets and just didn't understand the value of Burr at the time, but then it kind of worked out. I got this house at a discount, spent a ton of money on renovations. And I was like, I kind of want some of my money back. So I refinanced it, got all of my repair costs out and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Now I can see how you scale. And so I started putting out offers on the MLS, wasn't finding anything. And then um, 2019, uh, my business partner now and, and friend at the time had reached out and pitched me this idea for what's our business now. He had been investing in real estate as well, kind of the same time I was. And we just kind of decided to join forces and that this buying them off market would be better than putting offers in on the MLS. And so that's when we joined CCF late 2019. And Ryan, I mean, he's a kick-ass guy. CCF is awesome. That really took us like from zero to hundred super quick. We ended up dropping our first batch of marketing in March of 2020, uh, which was a perfect time right before this world shut down. But we hadn't, we, we had no other options. So we put our foot on the pedal and just kept going. I think we ended up spending like 20 grand before we got our first deal. That's partially because like, we just weren't good at it right away. Like we were not, I don't know. We just didn't know what we didn't know at the time. Um, but since then, you know, we scaled up pretty well. Um, we, I think last month we had 14 wholesale deals, um, wow. some referral deals, quite a bit of other stuff. Um, and we bought 20 doors since then also, cause we're trying to just, our main intention was like, you know, buy the best wholesale, the rest type thing. And so we've gone back and forth on wholesaling, flipping and buying certain things. Um, but we've always consistently, you know, bought something every so often just because the cash flow is really our, our big goal is that passive income. So that brings us to today. I, I'm in the same boat. I uh, like I had an acquisitions manager out there, and I'm always talking to him. I'm like, 
I just want to buy like everything. And then if we have to wholesale stuff to keep the doors open. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what you do. And then you find, I was, I was talking to, to somebody uh, at one of the meetups that, that we were just down in Florida for, for CCF. And there's this constant tension. doesn't matter how much money you get in the bank. Cause the more money you get in the bank, you're going to buy stuff with it, right? Like you can, you can go and take down a flip and, and, and bankroll that or, you're going to go and buy a house or a, a multifamily and, or you're going to buy more marketing. Like there's this tension. So you're always kind of flipping back and forth between God, I really want to buy this deal, but maybe we should wholesale it. Cause it doesn't necessarily fit our buy box. Cause like right now, especially like we're hard on buying stuff. We're trying to, you know, hedge against inflation and all that sort of stuff, but it's a, it's a comfortable tension, right? Yep. It's a good tension. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like yep. and buying stuff with like creative financing that yeah, the nice thing is when you, so when you wholesale, there's like a box, everything has to fit inside this box in order to be able to be wholesaled. And when you, when you add wholesaling, you can kind of expand the box a little bit, depending on the market. But when you're buying stuff yourself too, like, man, this, this guy, he, we locked up one the other day, uh, like two grand down subject to mortgage. Uh, nice. and then we locked one up. We got it for, uh, she wanted like, I don't know, like 14, 15,000 more than what we got it under contract for mm -hmm. because she's getting foreclosed on in like a month and a half. And nobody would let her live in the place. And mm -hmm. so we were like, okay, well, Hey, how about we let you live there for free for 12 months? Cause she took amazing care of the house. Yeah. Uh, but to do that, like, we're going to just pay your mortgage off nothing else. Yeah. And she was like, okay. And like, awesome. So we just got this thing under, you know, so yeah, I'm going to be stuck with a tenant who's not paying anything for like yeah. a year, but I also got a $14,000 discount on it and it's yep. in amazing shape. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's how you make it in this business, right? If like, you just stick to like the box you just talked about, like you're probably going to be okay, but you're just not, you're, you're not going to do, you're not going to be maximizing your opportunities. And there's so many cool things you can do. Like that, that reminds me of one deal we're doing right now. Like we're, we're buying a trailer, um, like a mobile home for like 10 grand and it's not in bad shape. We're going to probably have to put some money into it, clean it up. But we're like, you know, we could just sell this and flip it and, you know, probably sell the comps like 50 grand. So it'd be a good cash in our pocket. But now we're thinking about it from the cash flow standpoint. What we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to just sell it on owner contract. Cause like we can, we can, we can pay cash for this thing and, and do the renovations. And so we'll have a little bit of money into it and then we'll just take a down payment and sell it and then get say five, 600 bucks a month of passive income, which is awesome. Right. It's like, if, you know, if we had one door, we added to our unit, our, our portfolio and is making five, 600 bucks you know, a month we'd be happy. And so this is the same thing, except for we're not handling any of the the maintenance or anything on this property. Right. So. Yeah. I like it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm dabbling on the, the seller financing, yeah. uh, trying to, I bought a piece of land that I normally wouldn't have bought, but yeah. got it cheap enough that it makes sense and trying to seller finance it off to somebody rather than, rather than just list it. But yeah. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. I, I, I like it as another cash flow model. Actually, I was talking to in uh, Florida this last week to Aaron Beal, who's also in CCF and he was kind of doing something similar. And so when this trailer came across it, I was like, you know, it's a low risk here. Maybe we're going to be 15, 20 grand into this thing. We'll take like a $5,000 down payment. So yeah, we're 10, 15 into it. It's a reasonable risk to take for 500 bucks a month of cash flow, in my opinion. So. And if they, if they don't pay, you get the asset back and you go again. Exactly. And, and it's a trailer. So you can't like, 
trash a trailer too much, right? Like it's it's like tin walls and like it just goes back together, right? <laughs> say, you can, but that's how people expect them to look anyway. So Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. There you, go. you don't have to make it the Taj Mahal by yeah, any. No, people get a lot less upset about a, a scratch on a Honda than they do a scratch on a Rolls. So right, <laughs> right exactly. Oh man. So all right. So how are how are you finding deals? Right. So it's uh, you know Washington is is a uh, not the cheapest of markets in the world, mm-hmm. and it's it's. November of 2021 and the world is a seller's market and everybody says, Oh, you can't find deals anymore. So obviously mm-hmm. you are, what, what are you guys doing? Yeah. So we have a couple of different ways we do it, but the main one is definitely uh, direct mail. Um, we, we finally dialed that into where we have a funnel and this isn't just like, as you know, sending out yellow letters and just hoping something sticks, right? Like we have our, our lead funnel that, that we've kind of put together our mail funnel, I should say rather, right? Like we're mailing some of these people 11 and 12 times before we get something. And then of course, depending on how hot the lead is, how many, how many of their lists they pop up on, whether they're three, four, five lists, they might be getting a different type of marketing or we're telling a different story. Right. Um, and so that's like, our main one. Um, and then we do cold calling as well. And so like cold calling is like at the top of our, our, our lead funnel and we just kind of blast and get the data. We skip trace it all. And we just have our dialers going um, and we'll pull good leads out of that too. Um, and then really that direct mail is just right below that. And then however we niche down, down to some of the, some of the specific asset classes, like RV parks or something we're looking at, those lists are pretty niche and small and they'll get a specific type of mailer. Um, but that's, that's it. And we do that in Spokane. And then we also have a second market that we market to virtually, which is down in Knoxville. Um, both we're producing deals. We've never, we flipped a house in Knoxville, never been there. I've actually never seen the house. I don't remember the address, (laughs) but I love that. We made like 37 grand on this thing on the flip. And then, um, we've got a handful of wholesale deals in the pipeline down there right now. Um, and then yeah, Spokane, even though it's at a high price point, I mean, there's still, you know, money to be made. Right. And what we're obviously, you know, with who you're targeting, there are people that can't sell. Right. Um, I'll get, I'll share an example. We've got one up in North Idaho last year that we made, we, we got it under contract at like $30,000. So not the expensive market number you'd be thinking. And we wholesaled it for a $35,000 fee and no realtor would touch this because it was just a dog house, but it was up near one of our ski mountains and we were able to connect a buyer on this one that was trying to renovate and do kind of short-term rentals in that area and kind of beautify the town a little bit. Um, they lived there. And so that's one of those deals where we sent a letter out. It might've even been a cold call. I don't remember. It looked like a junk deal, right? Like I said, no realtor is going to list this thing and make like no money on it. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard to sell because just by putting it on the MLS doesn't mean you're going to find a buyer. So we, we, we connected it, put the dots together, found a buyer and, and it was totally worth it. That's awesome. I, I like that you mentioned cold calling too. So obviously I do a lot of direct mail. Um, you know, for those of you listening who may or may not have seen my face all over the ballpoint ads, I'm a fan. Um, right. but, uh, I just hired, well, I say hired two. I haven't heard back on whether or not the second one accepted my offer, but I I've got two cold callers that I just hired. One is mm-hmm. starting on Monday after training and the other one, assuming they accept my offer, will start the following Monday. Um, with that exact intent. I'm like, man, I'm getting a lot of returned mail and there's a whole lot of like, just like, I can only hit so many people with mailers. Yep. So like, if I can just blanket call like 20,000 people this month, then all right, <laughs> you know, yep. maybe, maybe some of that turns. Right. So right. I'm yeah. And it's like cold calling is like one of those things too, where 
uh, it feels like you're wasting your time because you're just like, you know, cold calling people and you're kind of hitting these broad lists, but then you get one deal and it pays for all your cold calling for the next few months. So it's like definitely worth it. It's, it's you know, pay-per-click as well. We do some of that where we won't even think about it for a while. And then we'll be like, gosh, man, we're not really getting deals on pay-per-click, but then all of a sudden you get one and it pays for all your pay-per-click for the year. And you're like, well, you might as well keep that funnel open because it happens and it works. And um, what we find with cold calling for our system, what we had to do was we had to, we have a lead manager who takes care of all of our incoming leads and kind of pre-screens them a little bit because cold call leads, a lot of times you get those tire kickers and they're a waste of your time, waste of your act manager's time. Um, and so being able to filter some of those out because you might get an overwhelmingly amount of leads, but they're just people that are like, well, what's my house worth? Or, you know, they just want to yell at you or something like that. So, <laughs> so you gotta, if you can have that filter, that pre-screen filter and you know, the better a cold car you have, the better that filter is. And then if you have a lead manager or yourself filtering those out so that you're not setting appointments and going to places that just aren't really deals, that's when you can optimize that cold call lead system to where it doesn't feel overwhelming. Cause we've been there where we've actually shut off cold calling. So we're like, dude, all these leads are shit. They're like retail leads, which aren't bad. Like you can definitely monetize retail leads as they come in. Um, but we were just like, God, these things suck. And it's, we didn't have a good filter for it. And we didn't have a good cold caller at that time when we, when we first shut it off, but now we're kind of getting back into it because we see the value there. Yeah. I agree. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So direct mail, cold call, and then, uh, a lot of, a lot of pinging people multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We, I mean, that's the thing that what we didn't realize uh, when we first started doing wholesaling with like direct mail and just direct direct to seller marketing in general is like rarely do you send a piece of mail and close on a property in 30 days. I think it's like our average is like somewhere around 90 days before from from actual contact, like they call us or we call them to to closing that property. It takes a while, but then once you build that funnel up of 90 days of leads behind you, you're starting to consistently close them. And it's just, it takes time. And we've definitely lost deals because we didn't close them right or we didn't follow up right. But if you have like that good follow-up system, you're gonna, you're gonna kill it. And like one thing we do, like if a lead comes into our system is we call that person two times a day for two weeks until we get a hold of them. So we're pretty aggressive on that. And we we have our lead manager doing that. And he, he's, he's a killer, right? Like he doesn't mind it. Like, I don't want to call somebody two times a week or two times a day for two (laughs) weeks. Right. And so he does it though. And he's brought leads back to life, which is really cool. Cause you just never know what's going on in someone's life. And all of a sudden they call same thing with mailers. Like we've had, you know, sellers say, man, I've been getting your mailers for a long time, but you know what? My mom just died and now we have to sell this house or whatever it is, you know? So that consistency and like, you can't just send out, like I get them all the time in my mailbox where you'll just see like somebody sends a letter out. I get like one letter and like, that's it. I'll never hear from that person again. It's like, that's probably not the best way to do it. Just like any marketing you've got, it's about timing. Right. And I think it's like the average time to conversions. Like this is just general for marketing is like, seven contacts, seven points of contact for that person to actually buy your product. And so that's definitely, you know, ran true for our business. Yeah. I think that's yeah, super powerful. I'm doing, uh, finally, I've been doing some manual follows when I'm finally doing mm-hmm. my first, like, uh, you know, dropping direct mail, the mm-hmm. letters next week, and then dropping postcards every month for the next six months, yeah. seven months, um, <clears throat> you know, and running through like, all of the different variations of postcards. So, yep. uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. And I think that's going to be fruitful. And then you target that in with cold calling all your return to senders and all your super high priority leads. And 
yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, the, at a point you get to a point where you're like, Oh, Holy crap. Now what? Like you got all these things under contract and you know, now, now what I'm learning is that Dispo is just as, just as important and, 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 you know, often mm-hmm. way easier to forget about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get under a contract and you're like, Oh crap. Now I got to sell this thing. <laughs> and like, you know, there's, there's, you know, wholesalers out there that'll just contract everything and then try to renegotiate or do whatever if they can't dispo of, but like, we're pretty like, you know, take pride in the fact that we don't cancel contracts if we don't have to. And we, we don't try to, we don't try to renegotiate if we don't have to. And that's where you have to like be hardcore on the dispositions. And so now with us having two markets, we just hired a dispositions manager. Like that's his sole job is to find buyers um, and to build our buyers list and continue to do that and, and kind of have that presence because you're right. It's so easy to be like, so focused on getting in contract and be like, Oh crap, you know, like we got to sell this in our home market for us because we've networked really well, it's not that hard for us to sell something, but when you're virtually, you know, we've never been to Knoxville. Some of the deals we're we're trying to dispo, like you can't do that part-time. You got to really be dedicated on it all day, like sending it out and then following up with every single person you're sending it out with um, and and trying to get a sense and feel for what people are trying to buy. Cause you know, one of the deals we try to dispo down in Knoxville, I taught, I was talking to this guy and he's like, man, I, I just don't think you get it here. Like, you know, we buy houses cheap. They don't appreciate, you know, like, Oh, okay. Because, you know, we're, we're so used to, for me in an appreciation market where it's like, you buy it cheap, you add value to it, make it really nice and then get it reappraised. And it's worth a ton of money and you can rent it for more. They're like down there. They're like, no, you know, houses, there haven't been used to appreciation. Like the rest of us on the coastal markets have, um, although they're seeing it now, but historically they're, they're like, we, we buy them cheap, we make them nice enough. And then we rent them out. It's like, okay, makes sense. So don't, don't be thinking you can dispo property there on the full burst strategy, um, where you're looking at increasing the value 45%, you know, yep. cause they don't see it that way. Yeah. I've been in one of those weird markets. So my, <laughs> yeah. um, I have a buddy I partnered with on a few deals and we went and walked the property when he's here and he's like, this is a total shit show. And I was like, throw some paint on the cabinet. Like literally. So we, so we bought it, right. We bought it for 72.5. We're going to list it for 95. And all okay. I'm doing is killsing the walls, killsing the mm-hmm. ceiling and white paint on the cabinets. But he went in it and he's like, oh my God, this is a gut. And I'm like, yeah, in San Diego, right? Yeah. Where everybody yeah, yeah. wants granite countertops and marble flooring. Here, mm-hmm. this is a paint job. Like, yeah, because this is a rental neighborhood and nobody yep. cares. It ain't yeah. going to bring you any more money. In fact, if I was going to rent this, I wouldn't even paint the damn thing. But, right. uh, you know, for selling like, okay, sure. Two mm. grand in paint, like whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's a totally different ball game than I was stationed in San Diego last. And like, if it doesn't look like HGTV, it's not going to sell. Yeah, you're right. And that's kind of like in our home market, like you can get away with a little less in certain neighborhoods. And that's always the fine line about renovating. Like you never want to over renovate because that's just lost money. Um, Especially if it's going to be a rental unit or a flip, you're just like, how much, what what is the minimum I need to get into? But we're just so used to our home market. We end up doing so many new kitchens with stone tops, new bathrooms. Like it's got to look super clean, um, which is fine. But yeah, I kind of like the idea of being able to just paint a house. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't increase the value nearly as much, but it's a whole lot less headache for sure. Yeah. Well, and if the bandwidth of the value, right? Like if you're at that lower price point, what is 10% more like 10% more of a hundred grand is nowhere near 10% more of like 800 grand. Right. Like when you're talking about those higher price points, yeah, the dollars make sense. So absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's cool yeah so dispose is important finding deals direct mail cold call uh the systems are there so what have you found i guess 
like, you know, you've grown a lot over the last year, year and a half. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you've been experiencing? This is a selfish question because I'm right I'm, I'm yeah. behind you in this and, and I'm, yeah. I'm coming up on it. So, yeah. uh, you know, what's, 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 what are been the struggles? Yeah. So everybody talks about like systems in real estate. Like that's a hot button topic. Like, Oh, you gotta have your systems. You gotta have your systems. And like, that is really true, but it's like, what are those systems? And like working through that pain of doing you're like, Oh, you need your marketing system. It's like, okay. Yeah. But like, there's a lot between actually knowing what you need for a system and implementing that system. You know, when we first started, it was just me and my business partner. We were doing everything in the business. And then we quickly realized like we weren't that great at certain things. So we, you know, hired out our first position, which was acquisitions manager, and we brought on leads manager, now dispositions manager. And I'm sure in the next six, eight months, we'll probably have another acquisitions manager as well. But hiring people is fine and they do a job, but if you don't have these right, right, right systems in place, um, you're kind of in trouble because what you end up doing then is just working in your business all the time, right? Because you're putting out fires because they're like, what do I do here? What do I do there? Um, and so what we focused on the last probably six, eight months is actually understanding our business and being like at a high level, like, okay, here's the, here's the marketing piece. Like, how can we make this like automated so that if one of us aren't here, it still works. Um, but also make it super consistent because like your, your most important thing coming in is leads. I don't know how many people I've talked to recently that are like, yeah, you know, I just got so busy. I shut off my, I just shut off mail. And it's like, no, don't, you can't do that. Right. If you're so busy, then, then hire something out and keep those leads coming in because you're going to bite yourself in the ass. And, you know, earlier in the conversation, I said, you know, for us, it's like 60 to 90 days from, from, you know, lead coming into contracting that property. And so if you shut it off, you're going to be waiting 60 to 90 days, unless you have this huge backlog um, that you're able to follow up with, which most people, when they shut their marketing off, they're also not following up with their existing leads. And so building that, that marketing system, through the whole, the whole kind of business. And I think about it in our CRM, like how are you bringing those in? And then how are you caring for those? Um, which is like the next part for us was a struggle, um, was a follow-up and realizing just how much you need to follow up with and building your tasks and your systems within the CRM. Um, Cause we have tasks for, you know, everything um, for our lead manager, acquisitions manager, or dispo manager to do, right? So if a lead comes in, it's like automatically, here's, here's the follow-up sequence, here's drip campaigns. Here's where you post the photos and everything. So that it's an actual like system that people can follow. And then you can tweak that as you find errors in it. Um, but I would say those are kind of the focus points for us. We're, we're systems all the way through our business and we're still working on it. Right. Because at, at some point, like you want to be able to step back and let that machine keep running while you do other cool stuff too. Yep. I agree. Yeah. yeah there's a yeah. lot of, yeah. Systems is definitely a buzzword, but man, it's easier said than done. <laughs> it is. It's like, what, what do you mean by systems? Like, yeah, I'm going to systematize this. It's like, it's totally, I don't know. It's just, it's something different, but I mean, for you, like what, like, how are you set up? Like, how, how are you like, if you're going to mail like a batch out, right? Like you said, you just dropped a bunch of mail. Like what, what in your mind, like, what are your, what are your steps you're taking now to bring in a lot more money than you sent out. <laughs> well, right now it's, it's working on dispo. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I run everything through, I mean, Ryan systems, right. Through, yep. through yep. direct mail goes to call Porter, goes into mm -hmm. RE simply goes, uh, I use REI SIFT to sort out mm -hmm. the lists. And then, you know, I've got an acquisitions manager who's making that phone call or mm -hmm. usually hopefully going to the appointment in person. And then, you know, we lock it up and, 
start working on the dispo side and then order in the next set of mailers. Right. It's right. Be a consistent. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to change a little bit over the next week or two, as I finally get some cold call action in, yeah. uh, start picking up the phone and making some phone calls. Um, I had to finish building out that whole system. I've got a friend who's yeah. helping me put everything together. So I got to jump on a call with him tomorrow and work through that. But so are you doing like, are you doing any follow-up or is your acquisitions manager doing all of the follow-up for you? Like, how does that work? Right now he's handling the vast majority. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still involved in the CRM yeah. um, and I'm doing, you know, obviously KPI and CRM meetings mm-hmm. with him every Monday. And then I'm touching base with uh, sitting down and talking through all the properties and stuff, but we're trying to get it to where he's essentially running that entire process because yeah. I have, I mean, like you, right. You've got a W2 and this yeah. business I've got, two businesses effectively that I'm trying to run. Yeah. So it's like, I can't focus everything on that one, Yeah, but I need to make sure that it's still getting focused on. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a good model too, of like trying to find that person that ends up kind of being like your COO, right. Um, and starting them out, especially on the acquisition side. And like one thing, depending on how much, how much data you're trying to push through the cold callers in your mail, like thinking about like that lead manager person, as you get your acquisitions manager, like as they elevate and skill set. Cause I think there's a ton of value in, in training them and understanding how to go through that stuff. But when you have an acquisitions manager, if you can feed them only highly motivated leads, they're going to be in such a better mood, right? Like not, they're not having to call people getting told to piss off. They're not going running appointments that are shitty. Um, like for us, we have our acquisition manager, basically once it's appointment set, like that's his job. He takes that lead from there. He walks the property. Um, and follows up after we have, we have kind of like our system of like one, two, three, four, you know, follow-up calls after the offer and the negotiating. And we're still involved in like the, the MAO setting and all that sort of stuff, but, um, we're training him up on that. So he could do a lot of that himself. Cause like you, yeah, step out. I, I want to do that, but a lead manager could help as you guys scale up your marketing to help filter that. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, you're always going to get shitty leads. In fact, most of your leads are going to be shitty leads, but it's those, those ones where you're closing 10 deals a month out of the you know 150 leads you got that month. Those are the ones that are making you wealthy and finding you deals. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely lead manager and dispo are probably the next two, two big hires or, yeah. or I say dispo, but I might just, it might just be a transaction coordinator. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's kind of how we run it. He, our, our dispo guy does transactions too. Um, and so he's kind of flips back, back and forth. Cause you know, like the transaction piece is a ton of work. You know, you have all these weird seller situations, which is why we're able to buy the house. I mean, we've had just some wacky stuff. Like you, you probably saw Mike posted in the CCF group, but like he told the story, um, this weekend and in, in Florida, but like one of our sellers got kidnapped. Right. Like how do, how do you deal with that? <laughs> right. Literally like, we're like, you, you, we always laugh. Like you cannot count your eggs until they've hatched or whatever they say. Can't count your chickens until they hatch. Like we're, we're always like, this guy was literally signing with a mobile notary and some dude kicked in the door and took him away. It's like, what the hell? Like, how do we, how does that happen? Right. And so, you, so now our transaction coordinator's job is like, you got to find this dude and possibly save his life. <laughs> we need that signature. <laughs> we need that. Exactly. I don't care what you have to do. So, but there's just a ton of like with, especially if you're in situations where there's like family members involved and there's multiple people on title or like we found like a few lately where like there's a break in title. And so like, there's a lot of minutia where you're calling the closing agent or you're calling the seller and the buyer and like keeping all that communication where that, that transaction coordination piece is definitely huge. Yeah. 
I yeah. forgot about that. I had heard yeah. of that one at one point. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, man. Weird things out there, but that's why we make money. We're willing to deal with it. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I first got into like, I actually hate wholesaling. So I, I but I say wholesaling because that's what everybody thinks of when they, yeah. if I say buying off market deals, people are like, what's that? But if you say wholesaling, yeah. they're like, oh, I know exactly oh, yeah. what it is. Well, yeah. I'm doing that. I just try to not have to get rid of most of them. Yeah. Um, when I first started doing the whole off market deals thing though, like, yeah, you know, when you get into real estate, people are like, yeah, just start wholesaling. It's easy. like, you know, it's a good way to build capital. It's like, yeah. yeah. But like people don't talk about the fact that like there is like banging on doors and wholesaling a deal or two. And there is like wholesaling mm-hmm. and it is a full freaking business. It is not like, I mean, I'm like four months into like scaling. I've been at it for about a year, but I'm like four months into like, okay, you gotta hire some people. I gotta take some stuff, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't stop. It's it's like, no. oh, now we gotta keep, keep, keep going, keep going yeah. faster, gotta keep going. Yeah. Like it's not a like, oh yeah, we did some deals. Let's just yeah. lay off for a little bit. Nope. <laughs> right. Well, and it's tough too because it's you you do four deals and you're like, oh, I, I did four deals last month. Well, I wonder what eight would be like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, so there's like a little bit of like addiction there of like keep going, but you're right, like the wholesaling piece is a lot of times your cash flow to keep finding deals. Cause you know, you might come across deals that don't fit your buy box, but you know, they fit other people's buy box. So you're going to make some money there. And then you're going to send out the next batch of marketing. because you're trying to find that deal that fits your buy box. And for us, like I would say on average, like every other month, we find something that fits our buy box sometimes more, more often than that. But that's, that that's one we're going to keep. We're going to pull into our portfolio. But then for every one of those, we find four or five that we're like, mm, that's not really the one we want to keep, but we know somebody that likes that property. Um, and then you start seeing the value of that cash generation. Once you do that and you're starting to be like, Hey, we made a hundred grand last month. Like that's pretty cool. That's, that's definitely better than like $400 a month. Right. And so there's like that, that tension that I talked about earlier, like of growing that and seeing that this is like a business that you could do with, do cool things with, but at the same time, you know, for us, um, it's definitely a huge cash generation business so that we can do other things too. Well, that leads into my next question, which was what's next, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So, I mean, uh, it's hard to not have shiny object syndrome, right? In, in real estate investing, because there's so many different asset classes and those sorts of things. Um, but right now we're, we're really just kind of focused on like stepping away from the business and, and working on it as opposed to in it and keeping that machine going so that it keeps producing us cash. Like we don't want to just shut that off because we want to pivot to other things. Um, but one of the next big goals we set is to actually raise a fund and do some lending. Um, we, you know, we've got a pretty established brand in our community. Um, and, and we have a pretty established group of investors that we work with individually. And so we're like, well, you know, we're always needing money. We know other people that always need money. So can we, you know, build up that fund, um, and kind of do some hard money lending there, but also look at, you know, bigger asset classes, you know, typically bigger dollar amounts, um, tend to have higher profits, even if the ROIs are the same, there's different, you know, just, just different money. Um, so looking at some of that stuff, um, and, uh, kind of not getting away from like single family or small multifamily, but like keeping that going, but looking at just those, those bigger deals, not necessarily like apartments or anything like that, but probably in some of the commercial spaces, um, just because we're always constantly thinking about the lifestyle as well, like having that lifestyle business at some level where, um, it doesn't take as much work. You know, we, we just bought our first Airbnb, in fact, we've got two now that we're working on and, and it's like, man, it's kind of a lot of work. Like how do we systematize this? Um, and so I can't imagine having like 20 Airbnbs, like there's just a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and so we're kind of logically thinking like, 
how can we go out and get other cash generating business, um, such as raising a fund um, or looking at that commercial space where the tenants are a little bit more, um, I don't know, self-managed, if that's the right term. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I, I think the fund thing is a cool option, actually. A lot of people don't talk about that, right? So um, I think that's a, that's a cool option because people think of like raising, you know, getting out and being a syndicator and raising all this money for your deals. Like, and syndicating is not like something that sounds fun to me at all. Um, I've done, I've been a partner, I'm a GP on one syndication and it was just like the SEC headache paperwork Mm -hmm. stuff is just not, not cool. Um, Mm -hmm. So like the idea of just pulling together a fund and doing things that way seems like it would be a little bit less painful, but yeah. Well, and like, you know, everybody's syndicating right now. And like, there's, there's definitely some bad money, some bad deals out there. And, and we kind of looked at it too. Of like, we kind of like owning our deals, you know, not that we wouldn't syndicate. Like if we came across a great deal and it was like a $10 million deal, you know, we just couldn't take it down ourselves. We'd totally syndicate it, like not shitting on it at all. Yeah. But when we look, when we're looking at things, um, you know, we know how to underwrite deals pretty well, um, in our local community, um, within just the general Northwest region, like we know a lot of players, um, and we know a lot of investors, um, that are looking to park their money somewhere. And so it's like, you know, we feel confident, you know, that if we're going to be, you know, lending out on single family or small multifamily homes like that, we can be pretty risk adverse because we understand that, that how to underwrite them and what it takes to do these things. And also we have a business. So if we have to, you know, if we say hypothetical, we're going to lend to a flipper and they go to you on us, like we can take that property back and actually do something with it. Like we have the systems for that. So it's very adjacent where for us syndicating is also an adjacent business. Um, but there's just a lot of different elements to it that like don't lend themselves to the rest of our business. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's cool, right? I think most people yeah. get into like the active side of real estate, the wholesaling, flipping, whatever. And then they eventually move on to something else because, yeah. well, you, you, the goal is to stash the money somewhere where it grows on its own and you don't have to continue because it yep. is, it is uh, definitely more stressful doing this than it is just holding rentals. <laughs> so, totally. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah. I got you. So, uh, what do you think are some of the, if you were starting out like right now, which I mean, you know, both of us are fairly newer to, to this and both had some success with it. But if you were starting out, you're like a service member listening to this and you're like, man, that wholesaling or, or finding deals off market sounds really cool. Like what would be like the piece of advice that you would throw to them and say like, here's how you do it or, or, or don't do this. Yeah. Um, so the first thing, this is tough because I can't just give one thing. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give a, give a little bit more of a brain dump. Uh, so the, the first thing I always tell people is like, get around like-minded people, like go find people that are doing what you want to do. That doesn't have to be just real estate. Like if you want to go, I don't know, start a plumbing company, go start hanging out with plumbers or people that own plumbing companies. Like that's easier than you think it is to do. And now there's like Facebook groups and groups for just about anything you could ever want to do, especially real estate. Um, so get around those people. Um, you know, a lot of our success, I attribute to meetups and getting out there, joining mastermind groups. I mean, you don't have to join CCF. I I personally think that's one of the best groups out there, but if you you can pony up and pay, you know, there's, there's masterminds out there that are as cheap as like 200, 250 bucks a month. Um, that if you're really dedicated and want to do it, if you join that and take action, you're going to, you're going to make progress. Um, and then the only other real big piece of advice that, it's hard to land on newbies, but it's like, 
just take action, like do your first deal. Like you hear Brandon Turner say this all the time with bigger pockets, like that first deal doesn't really matter. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't like if you're planning to do multiple deals, just get that deal done, find it and make it work. Um, I was just coaching, um, a new investor on the phone, uh, Monday night. Um, and they were looking at this deal in MLS they wanted to invest in. I was like, okay, so really just matters what your goal is. I would not buy that deal, but here's why somebody else would buy that deal and make that deal work. Cause you're going to have more deals. You know, you just have to understand and learn it. So just take that action and do something. Don't spend three years learning. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think taking action is huge. Right. Cause, and they say it all the time, like that first deal is not necessarily going to be the best deal in the world, but if you don't do that first deal, Yep. You're never going to do the other ones, right? Most people don't land a six-figure deal on day one, right? <laughs> right. In fact, I'm yeah. still looking for my whale. I'm I'm hoping it's on the yeah. board because I was like, dude, I threw, yeah, I think I threw out, yeah, I don't know, forty or fifty grand yeah. in the last month on, and most of which is money that will absolutely come back. But you know, yep. like five thousand on hiring and training to mm. cold callers, and mm-hmm. seven more, seven grand on mailers, and five thousand towards the acquisitions guy. And then okay, we've got this one I bought cash, this one I bought cash, this one I've got to put, you know, whatever. And it's like, man, one of these I'm hoping is that that big one, but I haven't landed a, a whale. Like yeah. my average, my average fee is probably hovering around 15, That's which solid. is, yeah, which is good. But I'm like, man, I see some of these people in like CCF that post like oh, $70,000 win. And I'm like, where's mine? Yeah. When am I going right. to get one of these? Like, yeah. cool. I'm going to put that in yeah. the operating fund and I'm good for the next three months. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, the, and the thing is, is like, from my experiences, those happen, but you got to be present. Right. You've got to be in the game, you know, yep. and, and we get a little jaded sometimes, I guess, or I do anyways, because a lot of podcasts or, or folks are bringing on guests that are like that one in a million. Like, yeah, I started last year and now I own a thousand units. It's like, I don't know anybody personally that, that can do that. Right. And so there's, there's sometimes, you know, circumstances, but the one thing I will say about those people is they got in the game. And so they make, they created that opportunity, but you're right. It's just like, <laughs> those don't come very often. No, you gotta no, be and, consistent. Yeah. And I'm at the point now where, when I hear those stories, I'm like, all right. What's he not telling us? Right. They're like, they're like, yeah, I got started in real estate two weeks ago and I own a thousand doors. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you're just an LP and you just yeah. you know, like, of course. Right. You, oh yeah. You invested yeah. in one fund. Great. Good job. I Do know. you manage I anything? <laughs> right. I know there's been so many times where I've beat my head off the wall trying to analyze a deal. I'm like, gosh, this should be like the million dollar deal. A guy said that. And I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that's just unsaid, you know, and a lot of the, you know, the sexy, the, the top line numbers are super sexy. But then when you back into it, you're like, hmm, I guess that's not that great. Yep. Yeah. I tell people all the time that I own a hotel. I don't usually bring up in the first conversation, like, yeah, we own this hotel and we've put $30,000 in capital into it over the last six months and haven't actually pulled anything yet, but uh, right. it will eventually. Yeah. Yeah. No, and the, yeah. the, 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 you know, the reality is long-term going to be an amazing deal. Right. But it's like, nobody wants to hear like, yeah, man, we bought this hotel and we just keep pouring money into it and yep. it's going to happen eventually. Yep. Cause like, that's not sexy. That's not, no, funny. that's the no. reality, but like, yeah. well, that's, know, the, that's the reality of real estate. I tell this to new <laughs> investors too, is like, it takes time. Like yeah. you don't just, you don't just become really wealthy overnight. Like that's why you it just, you got to start. And then over a period of time, it does truly snowball. And you look back and you're like, Oh, I'm still not driving a Ferrari like Ryan, but yeah. I do have several million dollars in wealth that I just added in two years. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
So. Yeah. One day, one day for for our right. Yeah. Oh man. All right, Dan. Uh, cool. So we, we talked about like uh, advice to, you know, young, young people looking to get into this. Is there a resource that you rec- that you would recommend for anybody looking to get into like the more active side of real estate or, or business in general? Yeah. Um, I guess the, the main resource I'm just going to, this is going to be so general. It's, but like people, like that's my biggest resource. Like I've like, there's definitely good books out there and I, I can refer you. I got a stack behind me. I've, I've read quite a few of them. I'm reading Brandon Turner's multi multifamily millionaire. It's over there. You know, that's a great resource if you want to get into multifamily, but like people are for me in the, in like looking backwards um, and why I've talked about CCF so much, because those people in there are just so valuable. You don't have to join a mastermind to find those people. Uh, and like, it's interesting um, cause like if you're listening to this podcast and there's a guest on this podcast and at the end of it, they're like, how do they get hold of you? Like usually people are willing to drop their Instagram or whatever, like just get hold of them. You'd be yeah. super surprised. Like I would have never thought that like Ryan Dossie would like answer a DM, but he does. Right. And he's yep. a pretty popular guy. Uh, I'm sure you do too, David, like you're probably not gonna get a hold of somebody like Brandon Turner right away directly. But like, for the most part, most people that are on podcasts are out here doing this because they do want to connect and they want to talk to people. And so like, just do it. Like, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Reach out. Uh, no. Yeah. You never know. And if you aren't going to, you know, be able to reach out yourself, like find that warm connection. Right. Yep. So like, uh, you know, not to, not to say I wouldn't have had Dan on the show. Right. Because I would have, but like the moment it's like, Oh yeah, he's in CCF. It's like, Oh, like there's an immediate connection. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if you, if you're trying to get a hold of someone like Brandon Turner, who, you know, hates using his cell phone and is not one who's like texting people back all the time, yeah. he's actually, he's very, very limited to how much he uses his phone. Um, you know, you texting him is probably not going to work, but you yeah. having somebody who's close to him say, make an introduction, yeah. uh, you know, a warm intro is, or, or, uh, or a name drop actually goes right. a, a long way in, mm-hmm. in networking world. So I think that's, yeah. and you, you said it was kind of a goofy answer, but I think people is, and real estate's a people business. It's yep. you get around the right people. You're going to be good. Totally. I agree. So that's awesome. Yeah. Dan, any, yeah. uh, any parting advice, words of wisdom before we uh, give out your contact info and wrap things up? Yeah, no, just get out there and and get stuff done. Get in the game. Like if you're not in the game, if you're a newbie, if if you're experienced and all that, kick ass. I love it. Look backwards and and show some gratitude to yourself for what you've done. But yeah, it's fun. I like it. Where can people get hold of you? Um, simple. You can just uh, hit me up on Instagram. That's probably the best place. Investor Man Dan. Um, you can DM me. I always respond. It's not a big deal for me. Um, I have a website, uh, investormandan.com. Uh, if you want to go there and kind of cruise around, there's nothing too crazy there, but just talking to me, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, we did just recently, uh, my partner, Mike, and I just started a, a little podcast called Collecting Keys. So if you want to listen to that, um, I'd love some feedback, David. So yeah, um, yeah. anyhow, that's, that's how you can get all of us. Awesome. Well, thank you very yeah. much for joining us. It's been fun. And I uh, look forward to running into you at a CCF event one of these days. Yes, or, absolutely. Or go abundance. One of these. Yes. One of the other. Yes. So. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Welcome to the tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully by the time this airs, I will have been allowed to pay for it. No, oh, there exactly. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. gotta, I got to get the wife's like, okay, fine. You made enough money this month to pay for it. <laughs> right. Right. Or just, just write the check and don't say anything. And then, you know, 
you know, you'll make it. Just be confident in yourself. That's uh, <laughs> the, 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 the checkbook's down there. The thought has crossed the mind. So. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a bad idea though. When uh, she sees that, when she sees that clear, there's going to be some questioning. Why, why does the HELOC have ten grand on it? What do you mean? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's just marketing. I'm going to pay it off. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, the reality. I know. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.